NHIS is also counterproductive, especially in this time of COVID that we find ourselves. Uh, this increment. Implement. Uh, Clement, I'm so grateful that you managed to summarize uh, your thoughts uh, for Guta into this. Uh, after you have uh, just a few seconds, I know you have uh, a key point that you want to make on the uh, on the debt stock. Um, and I know that uh, it's a big area, uh, yeah. but give me a few seconds on uh, that and I get Kojo to wrap up. It, but, uh, but, but of course, this is a conversation that just started because this was just read yeah, a few hours back. On Monday, I'll have the two of you in and then we can expand this a bit more on PM exercises. Well, what's your important. thoughts on the, it, on, on the, on the desktop? Can I just get a bite of what the Guta, Guta said briefly? Yeah. Because I really don't have just yes, have a few no, seconds. I'm, I'm sure. just summarizing. Evans, um, fair point. My major concern has to do with the 3% flat rate. Even so ready, if you are to speak to the business community, there's huge evasion and avoidance on the back of the third rate, flat rate, because it's not efficient. Unfortunately, the companies that are paying the 3% are going to suffer because of additional increase of 1%, making it 4%. So this singular policy is going to be very ineffective. It's going to distort the VAT. And it's going to affect the revenue that we have, even though the very little ones that pays are going to suffer. Then on the back of public debt that we've raised the issue, Evans is scary. 76.5, he said. It is scary. To GDP. This is a government that inherited a public debt of about 56% of GDP. Now they have, within a matter of four years, they have increased the debt by 20 percentage points, unprecedented, from 122 billion or 120.3 billion to 191.6 billion within a space of four years. Yet they tell us they were consolidating and they were on the path of fiscal consolidation. I mean, what sort of irony is this? I cannot understand this, and it's something that we have to interrogate it going forward. Okay, that's why I said if that is why I've always insisted that if you play politics with the fiscal deficit public debt will always expose you. Uh, Mr. Ponkruma, a, a quick point on the debt situation, of course, a subject that we're interrogating full uh, on Monday or PM Express. Obviously, my brother is trying to rephrase uh, his excellency, the vice president. I'm not rephrasing <laughs> By, you know, playing with this deficit of public debt. But anyways, this is this is a political group that inherited 9 billion Ghana cities total debt stock and moved it to 100 billion. Check the percentage change. And then check from... Um, where they were, 122, to where we are now, 290 plus. It is not the same as almost that 1,000% increase that they did. The two are not the same. But even more substantively, because when we get into these comparisons, we'll get political. I believe that um, the, 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 the point the president made that 137, 138 in parliament means that we should work more together and less from partisan postures. So more substantively, we take the feedback that business is giving us about why they think it will be difficult to implement um, an additional flat rate. I think what they are saying is that there are already loopholes in the 3%. I agree that those loopholes must be plugged. And we are of the view that in addition to plugging those loopholes, because mind you, one of the measures we have introduced is compliance. It's in this budget. So close those loopholes. We'll be happy to hear the ideas on how to close it. And we believe that for the period, 1% extra to help us stop the bleeding, clean up our books, invest more, pay the contractors a lot more, get infrastructure moving a bit more, get um, energy legacy debts cleared off our back, investment in industry will be good for the Ghanaian economy. Mr. Pankrumah, thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Kesatso Fossey, I'm grateful uh, that you joined us. I mean, this is just the beginning of a very, very heavy uh, budget. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, news file tomorrow, the further, uh, you know, discussion on this. And then join us on PM Express, a very detailed analysis of the budget by ourselves. And Atto Fossey and Kojo Pankrumah will join us on the back of that to break this down further. Uh, let me quickly end by hearing a bit from you. And the boys will join me uh, with sports. Ernest.
says, I can best describe the budget as a killer budget. How much is the Ghanaian worker earning? And the taxes, we wrote everything. Should government even increase uh, salaries? Uh, this is from Peter uh, in Akuse. This one says, hi, Ghana Connect. I think that the things captured in the budget are not extraordinary. We must see concrete policy actions by the government to help the economy rebound to reflect in the lives of ordinary citizens other than flowery language. That citizen, Sika Togo from East Legon. And uh, Sakaman, uh, George in Sakaman says, I think I totally agree with Dr. Atuforsen. The government has smartly asked Ghanaians to pay for all the incentives they gave to us, such as water, electricity, and everything we enjoyed free during the COVID period. And this one says the budget is very bitter. When fuel prices keep rising, yet you slap a tax on it, uh, the cost of transportation will increase exponentially. On road tolls, I'll have, I'll have, a, I'll have a thought on that. I would have thought that bad roads around the toll booth will be fixed before increasing the tolls. Uh, I'm baffled that when COVID is affecting us, we seek to increase taxes. That's Kelly uh, in Tekrade. And this one finally says, uh, Evans, trust me, Kojopon Kuma would have critiqued the same budget if it was in the opposition and NATO would have defended the bow budget if you were in government. Uh, all of these are jokes. They should leave us alone. Evans uh, Pianko in Cape Coast. Thank you very much, Ennis. Well, the lads are now uh, taking over uh, with first take. Locker room. Okay. Um, so, you want to stay with uh, George Addo Jr. and the crew? Yeah. On Joy 99.7 FM. Keep on listening to George. George, 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 George. 99.7 FM. This Morris and I say keep on listening to George, 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 George. 99.7 FM. Hello and welcome to the locker room. Enjoy 99.7 FM. I'm George Adi Jr. We've got 52 minutes to bring you a special preview to the wonderful weekend to come. So much to talk about, but we're definitely going to be starting at the Confederation of African Football because it's regime change. We have a new man in charge, but there have been so many issues on the sideline and beneath that interesting election that took place at the Kafchino Assembly that happened in Rabat, Morocco. Now, more to come here on our show. We'll be obviously talking to the, the BBC's John Bennett as we go through the big games to look forward to. And then we have another discussion uh, on the Black Satellites. I know some of you are looking forward to one or two names uh, in the Black Stars call-up or the Black Stars squad when CK Akona finally releases that. But we're asking a simple question. Are we quite rushing? Are we, you know, rushing to put these boys where... Uh, uh, in the Black Stars, when we're supposed to take our time with them. All of this coming up on the show. But of course, we have to start from one place. 
and it must be at the Confederation of African Football. So let's get into the analysis right now. Joining me on set, of course, my colleague Muftau Nabil Abdullah, who's been following uh, the CAF elections. I think you probably started doing this uh, six months ago. <laughs> or seven months ago. <laughs> when we started um, getting close to the politics of people likely to be banned yeah. and others likely to, to show up. Mm. Uh, the names, some of the names were quite surprising, especially that of Mochepe, who finally is the leader of the Confederation of African Football. Uh, if anyone had mentioned that Mochepe was going to be the president of CAF, uh, maybe about a year ago, most of us would have said that that person is, is a, a false prophet. Mm, mm. However, it, it came to pass just after three months. Yeah, That's what they say. When money talks, everyone bows down. So we're talking about the new face of the Confederation of African Football, Patrice uh, Mosefa. He is the South African billionaire. And you have probably been following the story all the way. Those of you who have been following us on our social media accounts, you've seen it happen. We have five vice presidents right now at the Confederation of African Football. Let's start with uh, the little bit there. Because at least in your report this morning, it was clear that... Uh, this is what was going to happen, especially uh, nobody was surprised in terms of who the man who was going to be leading the Confederation of African Football was going to be. No problems there at all. But there's been a lot of talk about the FIFAization, if I may want to put it, of CAF and the fact that CAF is now pro-FIFA and the fact that in the background there's Gianni Infantino, you know, going to be controlling all of this. Now, how, how, how do we make sense or how do we try to make sense of all of this, uh, Muftal? It's, it's been quite funny, quite interesting, and quite technical. Because the first meeting that happened between Gianni Infantino and Patrice Mochepe in November 2020, that was when we started gathering the rumors that Mochepe was going to contest for the position of president of, of CAF. However, I never anticipated the politics was going to show its ugly head this much to the extent that FIFA would publicly say that they were actually calling for no contest in CAF elections. This clearly, what it meant was that they were deciding who should lead CAF, who yeah. should lead African football. Mm. So the bigger question is, is FIFA doing the same to UEFA? Are they doing the same to Comnibor? These are the questions people are asking. However, we would need to look at where we've come from and wonder whether it was a necessary evil for us to have FIFA actually play a huge role in this. Because mm. if you look at the time Amar um, take over as the president of, yeah. of CAF, you are wondering what was actually happening. Because within his first year, he took over in March 2017. In May 2018, he had flown some members of CAF to Israel and to Mecca responsibly. Mm. So... There were people who began to have issues with his style of leadership. Yeah. People who were extremely close to him. The likes of Aisha Johansson of Sierra Leone. Surprisingly, she, she defeated uh, Lydia Nsekere of Burundi to replace her at the FIFA Executive Council. Yeah. That was one thing I never anticipated was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Then there was Musa Biliti, yeah. who got a 10-year ban. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the people, many people actually said was that the de facto president of CAF, Kwesinia Nteki, mm. also got a ban from FIFA. Yeah. So he was also away. Then there was Amadjo Penik. Yeah. Amadjo Penik was one influential member of that team mm. that made Ahmad Ahmad the president of CAF. Yeah. All these people fell out with Ahmad. Then, 2019, he was arrested mm. in France. And that was where the call for an anglophone to also lead CAF came in. Mm. Interestingly, we were meant to understand that when Ahmad was arrested in France, that was when Ahmad Penik, who had replaced Kwesinia Nteche as the first vice president of CAF, yeah. actually went courting for support from the FIFA president and secretary general to install him as the new president of CAF because Ahmad had messed up. They all agreed he had messed up. Mm. But if you are the first vice president, what do you do? You first of all, get your man out of police custody and the conversation can proceed from there. Mm. However, he rushed 
And when he writes, Gianni Infantino told Ahmad, take out Amadio Penic as your first mm. vice president. Mm. And it happened. Yeah. Just on the eve of the African Cup of Nations final, uh. he was taken out. Then Ahmad himself had decided that FIFA should bring in a high delegate. Mm. FIFA said that we will send you Fatma Samura to oversee the affairs of Ka. She came in as someone who was coming to protect Ahmad because it was Ahmad who introduced Fatma Samura mm, uh, to Gianni Infantino. Infantino. So they were, they were in there to protect him. Unfortunately, it became sad. Mm. In December 2019, when FIFA wanted Fatma Samura to stay on for another six months, mm. the Executive Council or, or uh, Committee of CAF refused. Gianni Infantino walked out of that meeting. Mm. When he walked out of that meeting, that was where so many people be- began to have a feeling that at this point, Ahmad had lost the support of Gianni, Gianni Infantino. Yeah. Then came the ban. Yeah. When the ban came, many people had said that you brought in your pupit, excuse my words. Yeah. You brought in your pupit and your pupit has, had, has messed up. <laughs> when Isai Haitu was leaving Calf, he led them with an incredible nearly $80 million. Mm. However, within the shortest space of time, that man had disappeared. Mm. So people began to ask questions. Mm. What was really happening at Calf? So they needed one man who could come and show up Calf. Mm. And the other thing, politically, people have said is that with Vera Mosango, Amba, and Matias very close to Gianni Infantino, he's using them to play the political card of Africa and the Caribbean mm. so that he can also hold on to the position as FIFA president for a very long time. He has two more terms to go. He's in the sixth term. There's the third term that he can go. Yeah. So people believe that it is another political card he's played. And if you want to succeed in that area, you need a proper ally. Mm. And that ally became Patrice Mochepe, who also had very good money. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's how we arrive at it. And you look at the way the political game was played. You look at the way um, candidates of the candidates were withdrawing. And... Ahmad would try to force things through the cause of arbitration for sports and yes, in the end yes. have the ban reduced from five to two just yes. to indicate that you will not still get into this election. It was, was an amazing one. This election, I mean, Muftal, simply settled before we even got to the day. You see, when the meeting happened in Rabat, Vera Mosengo Amba and Matthias were the people who traveled Rabat. And you know why interesting mm. thing? Gianni Infantino flew out of Morocco. Two days later, Vera Mosengo Amba and Matthias arrived. Mm. When they came in, it was a meeting organized by Fauzi Legja, the president of the Moroccan Football Federation. Federation. Yeah. He called all the four candidates to come to Rabat for a meeting. When they met, that was where Veron Mosango Amba actually laid down the plan of journey to them, uh. telling them that they want a no contest. They want to send a picture of unity that exists within the African football. So they cannot appear to create an impression that people are competing for positions at CAF. My personal reservations were that you were negotiating with Augustine Senghor to accept the position of a first vice president. And Augustine Senghor was one who was at the heart of most of the delegates who actually wanted him to contest. Mm. But the problem was you need to work with someone whom many people believe that were in good hands of Gianni. Yeah. And that person was Mochepe. Even initially, Senghor almost declined because in that meeting, they couldn't arrive at the conclusion. Because they had said Senghor would become the first vice president. Yaya would be the second vice president. Mm. And Jackie Enuma, he did not get any position in that meeting. <laughs> and this was a man who had been the most experienced person. He's been a FIFA council member. He's been 
up, he's there to come. So he was the most experienced of all of them. So if you are deciding that you are going to bring in these newbies mm. into calf, and the most experienced person is not going to be given any position, that felt so insulting. Mm. So the FIFA team had to revise themselves and say that we'll make you the senior advisor of calf president. <laughs> he accepted that role. But initially, he had also rejected. Uh, there were meetings between Sengo and Yaya Ahmed mm, for two hours. Yeah. That also lasted on flat grounds. They could not also come to any agreement. Yeah. Subsequently, follow-up conversations happened. They were asked to go and in- engage the, 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 the presidents of mm. their various countries. Mm. And initially, the president of Senegal was against the decision of Senghor not to contest. But Senghor, he's the most humble person. Calf officials will tell you. Mm. He's the most humble person they've ever worked with. Mm. He doesn't want this issue of, you have issue with someone and all that. He's calm, cool. So he agreed. <laughs> the other political card people had said was that mm-hmm. they were playing a card of getting rid of all the people they claim were other allies of Isa Hayatu or Ahmad Ahmad. Mm. So if you take a look at the elections that happened today, mm-hmm. most of the people who were in the camp of Ahmad Ahmad all lost their, have lost their, their elections. Yeah, they, lost and they called it the Mosepe effect. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, my, my, my worry, my worry is, you know, I understand and, 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 and we try not to appear all sacrosanct, you know, like they, there's a federation or a football association somewhere yeah. without faults. Yeah. I mean, it's football, and we know that to an extent, there's still yeah, some yeah, things yeah, that yeah. you can never. People uh, say it's a slippery role. It's very, very slippery role, like we yeah. say. But but it's just healthy. I mean, because I think you look at it on on the positive and the negative side. Positive the fact that we can all agree that let this guy lead, and the negative side is we can't really have an opinion. People run things the way they want to go. That is clearly the point. Yeah. People always say that these people will need to find a middle ground. Mm. After the 2017 elections, what Ahmad had to do was to now go about, pick his vice president. But this one, FIFA has put them on you. Yeah, put them on you. So many people were promised positions. FIFA now had to create a way. Is that how we have the five vice presidents? It was just last night that they sent them that proposal. (laughs) Meanwhile, the status of CAF actually says you need to give them 30 days to consider. But this modification of the CAF status was sent to them just last night and you know it they all accepted it surprisingly many of them have had have their own reservations but a bigger problem is do you want to continue your career or you want to drop mm. at this point even if i am amajupenic i will not move from the first vice president and come and be third fourth or fifth yeah. vice president yeah but this was the man who was leading the campaign of patrice mochepi mm. he's the, he's been the man who has always said that we need Someone from one of the English-speaking countries to lead calf, yeah. because we we have paid our dues. And if you look at our performances at the World Cup, no, clearly, yeah, calf clearly belongs to us. Mm. We fly high the flag of Africa mm. in competition. Mm. Mm. Why can't we lead calf? Yeah. Then came the second person to back Patrice Mochepe's bid. That was Aisha Johansson of Syria. Yes, yeah. So these people have been in there contributing heavily to having an anglophone in there but the bigger question is why must we force someone to lead car why is it taking fifa to come and determine who should be the president mm, of car mm. would they do them to uefa would they do them to come no, i don't think so people say that oh he already have have his own issues with, with with the asian federations and all that but the bigger question is africa dominates in terms of votes mm. so if you're able to get africa in your side then you can win. But Africa is also supposed to be a determinant. Yeah. By telling FIFA that you don't decide how we should run our affairs. Yeah. At this point, what it means is that Patrice Mosepe is now going to be scoring goals from passes from no, yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's if I was going to play his speech in his speech he mentioned my friend Gianni my friend more Gianni. than 10 or 15 times so if I'm, I'm not exaggerating but I, I think I, I more than 12 times but he said my friend Gianni my friend Gianni I know why interesting thing just after the the elections when they went into have their post elections press mm-hmm. conference he went in there with uh, Augustine Senghor he had Jaya Ahmed he had Jackson Uma mm. Questions that were thrown at him, he started to spread the questions across yeah, for all of them to answer. answer. 
at this point, we need an African president or calf president who will inspire confidence in the future. Mm. But just maybe that might have been a joke. But if you tell us that I am going to give the difficult questions to these people because they have been there for a long time. What, yeah, vision, could, yeah. what is the vision, the vision that you yeah. have for our game? It is your, your vision that will determine where calf goes from here. Mm. So, if you're coming to tell us that you're going to share the difficult questions to others and you answer the simpler ones, that's quite problematic in my opinion. I just hope that was a joke. Mm. But if you listen to him, I he did not inspire me in yeah, that. He's just a fine businessman with business he's ideas. Business ideas. Not exactly a football not, not guy. exactly that football man. Yeah. Uh, people will say that, oh, you need an administrator to come and run your affairs. You don't yeah. need a football brain. But once in a while, you need people who also understand how this football yeah, game yeah. works. One thing he said that I was quite excited about was wanting to visit all members of CAF and have a clear understanding of what their issues are. Mm. If you have a clear understanding, then you will know how to run CAF to suit every member. In as much as you cannot satisfy everyone, mm. there, there will be areas that you can get results from. Yeah. There will be areas you struggle to get results. There will be areas that you, you are going to fail. For that area, I was so happy that he, he decided that. Then that you also meet twice every year. CAF cannot afford to be meeting just once. Mm. Because the issues bedeviling African football is huge. There are many. But we have a problem if and if the financial standing of CAF at the moment, per what mm-hmm. lecture gave to them, mm-hmm. is what we are going to have. And he said, now this is, this is the problem. We need to face it squarely and solve it. You need to provide solution. Football is money. Mm-hmm. He said the example of how when he won the, the CAF Confederation Cup of Champions, or Champions League, the prize money is pittance. Mm-hmm. We can do better. But we do not have the money to do that to do better. Mm. We've had a rhetoric of we need to engage governments, we need to engage uh, the private institutions or corporate bodies. When are we going to consider driving ourselves away from this government engagement or corporate bodies for support? By milking other opportunities, and what are those opportunities? Yeah, but we have messed up with a lot of them. But TV right here, like there's fighting this and fighting was going out there. All the Clearly other the key point. things. Cop is currently fighting like <laughs> in court. <laughs> People are paying huge sums of money yeah. to watch foreign football. Yeah. We can equally pay same to have our local game. Yeah. Before us, so if they are able to structure the competitions in a way that we are able to attract more TV deals. Then we are heading somewhere. Other than that, we're he's just nowhere. coming back See, within the next four years. Uh, Mo- Mo- he might this, also just walk this away. is the final question for you before uh, you leave me on the show. Uh, well, I, I, I really hate to um, want to look back and say, have we, have we made a mistake? Have we, have we moved on? Have we, have we upgraded? But, but if you look at what Issa Hayatu has done, and I'm not saying that he is, he is the BLN or he's a saint or every, as, as we are learning. Everyone has got problems, and as yeah, we know. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to stand for something and make it difficult for anyone to, you know, more or less manipulate Cuff. Yeah. At this point, I don't know what, what you make. Do we have such strong leaders? Because it wouldn't feel like Ahmad was with a, with, with a team that moved hard yes. to get him out. Yes. Now, Mosebi has been more or less... <laughs> held by the hand and put on that seat and put on that seat you know <laughs> I I wish I could say that Calf actually made a mistake <laughs> but I also think that some members within Calf would say that we made a mistake by allowing Gianni to determine to us who should lead Calf yeah the bigger problem that Calf currently faces is leadership leadership crisis I remember in 2019 when one of the vice president of CAF actually mentioned to me that since the exit of Kwesi, they've lacked leadership at CAF. Mm. At that point, you'd be asking yourself so many questions. What kind of leadership are you lacking? They are lacking leadership in terms of authority. Someone who can say this is what CAF stands for. In that sense, Gianni is the one who determines it. No one can tell Gianni, this is what we want. Because Gianni will tell you every single year, I give CAF $25 million. 
I give CAF $28 million. That's what FIFA gives to CAF. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, and what, what the CAF guys are failing to realize is that if you can control Africa, and you have a hand a bit more in Asia, mm. Africa is over 53 countries. That, that's yes, huge over, votes. Like 54. 54. 54 countries. <laughs> and we almost even has Zanzibar, that was yeah. 55 So countries. the grand scheme of things, if he can control Africa, he's safe. If he can control Africa, uh, Africa, Africa he's, he's safe. safe. It means that Africa voice can easily balance that yes, of easy. UEFA. Yeah. If UEFA doesn't back him. Now, going back to the, the leadership bit yeah, I was talking yeah, about, just most of the members of CAF actually feels that not even Seb Blatter could control Issa Hayatou. Mm. How come we've gotten to a point that this young man is the one determining how we should run our football? Mm-hmm. Run FIFA, let us run our football. Yeah. You give money to every single federation. You're not only giving calf. Why are you the one to preach to us that we should unite? And, and the bigger question is why... Before why, you came, were we divided? And why, why are the calf members quiet and loving this to happen? Nobody stood up to saying that you can't push the onto us by... The FA president was that man who had a voice. Yeah. And they had to shut it up. Musa Biliti had a voice. Yeah. They had to shut it up. Because Musa was just... Amadou Penek had a voice until he began having an interest yeah. in Holy Scarf. Because just look at that point there, that you have been forced to take on, or let's say modify, your own statues to allow five... Hours. Yes, to, within 24 hours, to allow five vice presidents. So, to, so, like, so, so look at FIFA. FIFA, which has about 210 or 211 members. They've got how many vice presidents? Seven or five mm. or six. Then, then fifty-four. Then fifty-four. 54 <laughs> you say we should have five. Uh, yeah. That's a bigger issue. Yeah. Uh, so the person who is even going to be the third, the fourth, and the fifth pre- president, yeah. just count yourself as any ordinary member. Yeah, yeah, you made the point. <laughs> Muftal, let me say a bit. Let me say a big thank you. Uh, there's more uh, to read from Muftal on myjoyonline.com. You want to get onto that. Hans Benzano has just got into the studio. I, I hope you had read his uh, fantastic piece on... <laughs> Even if you want to think about it in terms of the uh, players you want to find in the Black Stars from the Black Satellites, uh, he gave us one or two ideas there. We're going to have a little discussion on, look, overall, are we just rushing the boys? So now, thank you once again, Mokhtar, for your time. A pleasure to be uh, here. We'll head on to the Joy Sports BBC Two-Way Series. Right after that, Hans is joining me to uh, put in the discussion. And Chelsea fans are smiling these days. It's looking good. Things are going fine. Yeah, Kai Havertz is even coming to the party, so it looks like it's um, really, really good. But there's a little chat I had with uh, John on uh, Christensen, what's working out for him. You also want to listen to all that we've got for you, including the Ronaldo and Messi bit in this one. Enjoy this. There's more to come. Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. Let's begin with Liverpool's Wolves, uh, which is a bit confusing at the moment. Very good wins in the Champions League, but Premier League games at home are becoming a problem. I thought players of this calibre live beyond mental blocks. Hi, George. Brilliant to be back on your show again. Yeah, it was bizarre to see Liverpool back to form in the Premier League after playing so awfully against Fulham last weekend. But brilliant to see Jurgen Klopp smiling again. I was really happy, actually, for him, for the Liverpool fans. Uh, they played really well against RB Leipzig. Could have scored more goals on the night against a really good team who are flying at the moment in the Bundesliga. So that was a really good win. And you wonder if that will be the key moment now, the moment that changes their season. They play Wolverhampton Wanderers on Monday. That's a big game now for Liverpool to follow that performance up in the Champions League. The great thing is they've got a bit of rest. Jurgen Klopp has mentioned before that when they've played the Champions League game when they played RB Leipzig last time they had to play almost straight again, straight away again at the weekend they've got a few extra days rest this time not just physical rest mental rest you mentioned the mental block I think they have just fallen into a rut where they've lost that winning mentality they've lost that extra bit of edge hopefully now they've got it back but that's a big game now against Wolverhampton Wanderers away from home John how refreshing is the news of Fabinho rejoining the Liverpool squad and does that propel them in a massive way against Wolverhampton Wanderers this weekend. 
massive. I think you've picked out the key man there. To see him back in midfield, I think, was a huge, huge turning point. He's been out injured, and then when he's been fit, he's been playing at the back, and he's a really good centre-back, don't get me wrong. But when he plays in midfield, he is a Rolls-Royce of a player. He's a player who can make Liverpool tick, but also be someone who defensively can allow the likes of Wijnaldum and Thiago to get forward. So it was almost like a release for Thiago and Wijnaldum to allow them to be a bit more attacking. They didn't have to worry too much about their defensive responsibilities because Fabinho was there making things tick. So I think that was a massive thing for Liverpool. They need to keep playing him in midfield now. I know they're light at the back, but keep playing Fabinho in midfield. He's crucial for them going forward. John Gaithville has found his scoring boot almost and playing with some freedom again. If this is sustained, there should be a wonderful fight for the top four by Spurs. Can Bale stay free of the injuries towards the end of the season? And how big a boost is this for Jose Mourinho in Europe? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? We, we see Gareth Bale now looking a lot fitter. He still seems to be substituted all the time on the 65th minute, on the 70th minute. So you do still worry that at the back of his mind and at the back of Jose Mourinho's mind, they're still worried that he might pick up a muscle injury. But right now, it's looking so, so positive for Gareth Bale. It's brilliant to see him flying again back in the Premier League. Brilliant to see him getting close to some sort of his best. I'd say he's about 60-70% at the moment of, of what Gareth Bale used to be. But still, that's a really impressive Premier League player. And of course, he's got the Euros to look forward to in the summer. So that's a huge motivation for him to, to get fully fit, to get flying again. It is great to see Gareth Bale playing so well. And Tottenham at the moment look really impressive. Five wins on the bounce. They've had some ups and downs this season, but they're only five points off the top four with a game in hand. So they're not out of contention yet to qualify for the Champions League next season. John, the North London derby headlines the EPL fixtures this weekend. And with both sides flying at the moment, what kind of game should we expect? Yeah, both sides flying. I mentioned Tottenham have won the last five. Arsenal have won three of the last four. I was at the Leicester City game a couple of weeks ago. I was so impressed by Arsenal. Some of the players who Arsenal fans have really criticised recently, like Nicola Pepe, like Willian, they've really stepped up to the mark. It was brilliant to see Martin Odegaard as well get, in, get on the score sheet in the Europa League this week. What holds them back, though, is individual errors. We saw it again in the Europa League against Olympiacos, Burnt Leno with the mistake. We saw it last weekend, Granit Xhaka with the, the mistake, trying to play out from the back. Individual errors at the moment are costing Mikel Arteta's team. But as far as a game plan goes, as far as patterns of play, as far as tactically, I'm really enjoying watching Arsenal at the moment. So I think it's going to be a fascinating North London derby. I'd give Tottenham the slight edge just because of Harry Kane, even though he came off injured, didn't he? Uh, he had an ice pack on his knee uh, in the Europa League, but I think he's going to be okay for the game. I just think that that front three of Son, Bale and Kane just gives Tottenham the edge. But I think it's going to be a really close game. Really looking forward to it. I've been impressed by Arsenal lately. John, Manchester United managed to stop Manchester City right in their tracks last weekend. The question many United fans have been throwing at me, though, why is United failing to be this consistent for the greater part of the season? Yeah, it's a good question. For me, it's because they're just not good enough. They're just not good enough quality-wise to keep up with Manchester City. You look at their squad depth. They do have squad depth, but it's not of the quality of Manchester City, who, for me are a step above above them quality-wise. But you're right, it must be frustrating sometimes for Manchester United fans to see them performing brilliantly against the likes of Manchester City and, and then poorly in other games when they're expected to win. Uh, again, there was frustration in the Europa League, wasn't there, with a late equaliser for AC Milan. But brilliant to see Ahmad Diallo scoring a goal. What a talent he is. I mean, he's been, compared to Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't want to get go too far build him up too much but he looks like a really good talent um, he obviously scored a, a good goal didn't have a, an amazing game apart from that goal but still what a what an impact he's made already Ahmad Diallo only 18 years old and he looks like a real talent Chelsea defender Christensen had put in some solid performances lately and rightfully has attracted praise from Thomas Tuchel John was working for him all of a sudden and what do you expect in Chelsea's clash against Leeds United John, it's a big one in Manchester City. Well, if anyone doubted Thomas Tuchel's coaching ability, then the first 11 games in charge at Chelsea tells you all you need to know about him. He is getting the best out of players already. You mentioned Christiansen. I think um, other players have made big strides. Kai Havertz is starting to look like the player he was 
at Bayer Leverkusen. They've made some huge strides forward. I, I think some big decisions he's made, like subbing Callum Hudson-Odoi after bringing him on as a sub, I think that sent a really good message to the rest of the players about the standards that he expects. Christian Pulisic has been out of the team despite his wonderful performances over the last season or so. That, that again tells the Chelsea players that nobody is safe. You have to keep these standards really high if you want to stay in the Chelsea team. I, I keep mentioning this every week, George. I'm almost banging the drum here. It's becoming my catchphrase when I talk about Chelsea, but the identity of the team. There's a real identity about this Chelsea team. It's looking brilliant. 11 games unbeaten, I think it is. Won 8 of 11. Um, they're on course to, to qualify for the next round of the Champions League. We'll see how they get on next week. So, yeah, all looking rosy at the moment for your Chelsea team. Crunch time in making a decision about the top, top striker in Sergio Aguero. Is it time to let go of that Gentile, giving his current situation? Yeah, I hope he doesn't go out on a whimper, Sergio Aguero. He's a legend at the club, and I'm not using that word lightly. Of course, he's a legend for what he's done, breaking records, that amazing goal to win the title back in 2012, wasn't it? It was incredible, and the Manchester City fans will never forget that. You just hope that he leaves the club in the right way. At the moment, with him not getting into the team, there's rumours in the press this week that he's a bit frustrated. You just hope that he doesn't go out on a whimper. You hope that he can um, get back in the team and, and help them on their hunt to win all four trophies this season. There's still plenty of games left in the Champions League. You've got the Carabao Cup final. You've got the FA Cup games to come. Some key games in the Premier League as they look to wrap up the title as early as possible. So there's still a chance for him to make an impact. But at the moment, he, he seems a long way from first choice for Pep Guardiola. And he can't complain too much because City are winning without him. Well, John, let's talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, both of them out of the UEFA Champions League and from the round of 16 for the first time. Is it the last we'll see them play for Juve and Barcelona? And, well, would you encourage the clubs to let them go? Yeah, many people talking about the end of an era. I think that's stretching it a bit, although there are some big decisions to make, be made at both clubs. In terms of Cristiano Ronaldo, he's on a big contract there. Will anyone come in to buy him? Real Madrid are being linked again this week. It's a big decision, that, for Juventus. Individually, he's been a success. I mean, he's top scorer in Serie A, but I don't think collectively it's been a success for Juventus. They they haven't got close to winning the Champions League since he came to the club, and they're struggling to win the Serie A title this season as well. So he's done well, but with him in the team, Juventus haven't been as good as they were in recent years. As for Barcelona, we just wonder what the impact of the new president will be. Joan Laporta um, has come in. He's the new president. And you, you just wonder what an impact that will have on Messi's future. Laporta said that a vote for anyone else in the presidential election will reduce the chances of Messi staying. He said that Messi called him on Sunday night after the election to congratulate him. So that's hope for Barcelona. Barcelona are playing a lot better as well. But still, there's the rumours that PSG and Manchester City might want to take him. John, let's end with other games to come in the English Premier League. Aside from not London derby, there's Manchester City up against Fulham, Everton up against Burnley, and your Leicester City up against Sheffield. Yeah, Manchester City with a chance to go 17 points clear at the top of the table. Uh, that's because they play Fulham and Manchester United don't play until the next day against West Ham. That's a big game, isn't it, against fifth place West Ham. I'm at Everton against Burnley. Everton need to win that game, I think, if they want to uh, remain in contention for the Champions League. It's one of those that on paper they'll be targeting. And Leicester City against Sheffield United. Leicester, I think, this week off that they've had between games has come at the right time. They looked really tired last weekend against Brighton. They did well to win that game because they played poorly. I think that took a lot out of them. So uh, hopefully they'll be well rested going into the game against Sheffield United, who are now just playing for pride, aren't they, Sheffield United? We know they're down. It's a pleasure to hear from the BBC's John Bennett on the Joy Sports BBC 2A series. And you know what? On Sunday, we've got special commentary for you. It's Arsenal up against Spurs. The North London derby is on. Now let's check out the rest of the games to look forward to. And here is Joy Sports. Moses Yaboa. The leagues across Europe are gradually heading to the climax with an average of more than 10 games remaining. In Italy, league leaders Inter Milan's 10-year wait for a Serie A title could be over this season as they sit top with 56 points. 
four above AC Milan in second. This weekend, Inter travel to Torino and Milan on Sunday host Napoli. Champions Juventus have a game in hand and out of the Champions League, they might gain extra strength to fight for the title. In Spain, Atletico Madrid are six points above the second place side and are hoping to snatch the title out of the hands of the perennial winners Real and Barca. Diego Simeone's side are away to Hetafe. Third place Real Madrid will be at home to Elche. And Barcelona, who were kicked out of the Champions League on Wednesday, would take on Huesca on Monday. Sevilla will host Real Betis. In Germany, as usual, Bayern Munich, eight successive Bundesliga champions, are sitting top of the table. But it seems this time they could be made to work for their title as the Bavarians are just two points above out of Champions League side RB Leipzig. On Saturday, Bayern have a game away at Werder Bremen, but Leipzig have a tricky test at home against fourth place side Antrang Frankfurt, who are fighting for a top four finish. Wolfsburg will host and battle Schalke, and Dortmund, who are chasing for a top four finish, host Hertha Berlin. Another keenly contested league title is the French League R as Lille with 10 games remaining occupy the summit on 62 points, two above Champions League quarter-finalist Paris Saint-Germain. On Sunday, Lille will make a trip to fourth-place side Monaco and PSG host Nantes. And in the Premier League, the only league that looks like the leaders are firming their stance in winning the title. Man City with 68 points are 14 above second-place United despite having played a game more. The citizens are away to Fulham on Saturday. Leeds will host Chelsea. That's early kickoff. Leicester Sheffield United. Man United will play at home to Wolves. And the London Derby will be a commentary game as Arsenal host Tottenham Hotspur. Thank you as always. Moses Yawa with a wrap and the games to look forward to if you're chasing some live football uh, this evening Newcastle will play against Aston Villa that will be in the next 15 minutes uh, yes as well if you are in uh, your love of La Liga we've got Levante up against Valencia will start at 8pm as well now in the Serie A Lazio will beat Crotone by 3 goals to 2 Atlanta a drawing goal at the moment with Spezia game starts just uh, in a minute and then we've got Rem up against Lyon in French League A that's another one that you want to pay close attention to and remember as always on Sunday we've got live commentary for you and that game is the North London derby between Arsenal and Spurs live on radio live online this is the locker room with George Addo Jr All right, that's just about time to bring in my colleague Hans Mensa. And Hans, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, George. How's it going? Hey, everything is good. Everything yeah. is good. Just as we're going through this, uh, it should be a good weekend. And, and good luck to Manchester United. These days, you are doing very well. I don't know if you're going to... We, we've always been doing well. Yeah, yeah, the point is, I don't know if you wanted to have a bite on what John Bennett was saying about Manchester United. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Yeah. The name of the game is consistency. Yeah. If you can't perform... You know, at a high level, consistently, you can't win the titles that mm. matter. It's, it's as simple as that. Mm. I mean, it's refreshing for a Manchester United fan if United beat City. Yeah. But the point is that you cannot beat City one weekend and go and lose to Sheffield United the next weekend mm. or drop points. If you look at United critically, it's more about dropping points against um, the the smaller sides yeah, or, if or, you like. or, or in winnable games or, more or less. winnable games yeah. let's put it that way yeah. that is that has really mm. been their bane there's what a 12-13 point gap as it stands between themselves and Manchester City which yeah. I mean four five months ago or three four months ago mm. you didn't thought would have been the case yeah. you know but they kept dropping points against smaller sides or games that they should have won and we saw City suddenly with what three games in hand and still winning. Yeah. It's gotten to a point where it's just a huge gap. City need what five wins yes. as it stands to yes. you know, seal the title. Seal the so, title. Um, it's just about for me, I, I, I think that individually there's something there, mm. you know. But I think that technically they are not approaching games the right the, way. The right way, yeah. You know? And I also think that they are struggling to focus on every single game and come to a sudden realization that every game matters hmm. you know hmm. and so hmm. you, you see the performance is so high in one game the next game it drops and 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 also there is a certain over dependence on setting a few players you know said that if those players are out of the starting lineup hmm. united can't seem to play and i think that it betrays a certain lack of squad depth also if you like because when you look at manchester city's bench 
there are times when you're seeing Raheem Sterling on the mm. bench, you're seeing Bernardo Silva on the bench, you know, cracking names of players who come in and have a similar yeah. better impact than those already on the field of play. Mm. So mm. that is also probably a factor. But, I mean, he's absolutely right. United are simply not good enough yeah. if you're talking <laughs> about winning yeah. the Premier League really, title yeah. or any other title for that yeah. matter. It's amazing. Uh, on touchline, uh, the, the guys had a go. But whether Manchester United were that far back in terms of quality, it was an interesting one. And uh, I'm sure one or two of you want to have to watch it. Okay, so you missed the first edition. Perhaps you get another chance to watch it later tonight or then tomorrow or then on Sunday. So you want to look uh, forward to that as well. Enjoy Prime. But you know what, um, Hans, we're just, we're just at the point where we're preparing for qualifiers. We've got yeah. double qualifiers, double header. Uh, a double header, that's uh, between what? The South, South Africa, Africa game South and Sao Tome. Very important. So at this point, we're still more or less warming up and uh, trying to see what City Akono has in mind in terms of a squad. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and for us as journalists, we know very well that we, we, we don't necessarily wait for the coach to come out and say this or that. No. Because before now, two weeks ago, Players who are going to be called have probably received it. And, yeah. and our checks are indicating that it's going to be a struggle for most of the players in main Europe to come Absolutely. and join the squad. I mean, That's how come we're going to this, right? That going to allow anybody. Be releasing players. Good. You know. And it's because we're going to talk about the black satellites, the glorious black satellites who won the AFCON. And, and you've already led with that already with, a, with an article. You want to check that on my Enjoy Online. Hans has got that article there. Hans is good as well. And I don't want to almost spill the beans or whatever it is. But today you've been speaking to such a great figure when it came to the transition of the team Absolutely. in 2009. Now, before we talk about whether we are rushing these boys or we are doing the right thing and wanting them to play for the Black Stars, can you just take us down the lane again uh, from 2009? That team we're talking about, they didn't just come out of space. Quite a number of them were playing in the Premier League already, even before they went so, for the under-20 so tournament. Yes. Today, I was actually enlightened. Mm. Now, a lot of us do not realize that our team that qualified us to the first World Cup mm. goes way back to the under-17 of 1995, mm. 1997. You are going to find players from the 1995 under-17. Right. You find players from the 1997 under-17. You find players from the 1999 under-17 who, of course, went to the 2001 under-20 yep. and lost to Argentina in the final. Hmm. Argentina 2001. Yes, yeah. Now, if you look at Steven up here, hmm. he was part of the 95 under-17 team. Yeah, yeah. If you look at Dan Quay, for instance, hmm. he was part of the 97 under-17. Under then we are going to come to 1999, yeah. where you had AC and you had Muntari, you know, yeah. Derek Boateng and all of those boys being a part of that team, who made a successful transition into the under-20. Mm. And then, again, made the jump. You see, from 95, 97, under-17, when we had a 99, under-17, who transitioned to under-20, mm. the bulk of them actually also made a jump to the under-23 in 2004. Mm. So you realize, that when we played in Athens 2004, there was Stephen Apia, mm. there was a Samoajan, um, William Thierry, you know, name them, Suleiman Tari and Kodi were all there mm. in that Athens 2004, um, you know, Olympic team. Mm -hmm. Two years on, that was a team, or the bulk of that team is what qualified us to the FIFA World Cup mm. in 2006. Good, nice. We come all the way down to 2009. Mm. And people only realize that they played the under 20, won it. And then, of course, they played the 2010 AFCON and, then, and went and on to play the World Cup. What people forget is that some of the players had actually been a part of the Black Stars before they even went to the Under-20. Mm. Samuel Inkum, Jonathan Mensah, Andre Ayu, um, I think Manuel Ajiman Bidu yes, as well. They had been around the Black Stars even before they went for the Under-20 in 2009. Mm. And so, it wasn't like you know, we are these boys going to win the under-20 World Cup and then we just drafted them straight yeah. away into, you know, the Black Stars. And even, and even just after that, likes of Ransford, Ransford say had played, was played for Kespen, we know that Absolutely. Jonathan Mensah was for Ash Gold. That's, that's another point. Oh, yeah, no, Ghana, we're, we're, we're talking Premier about players yes. who had massive experience playing in the Ghana Premier League. In the Ghana Premier League, yes. which, by the way, let's, yes. let's be honest, yeah. comparatively yeah. to today, mm. was a much higher level of competition because, mm. look, mm. I mean, sometimes we want to behave like the ostrich. But the truth is that the standards have dropped. Mm. It, it has dropped. We can't 
you can't compare the Ghana Premier League of say 2008 2009 to the Ghana Premier League of today. Let's be realistic. The heart of Lions was a, was 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 even a big matter. Absolutely, the heart Absolutely. Lions, the you protocol, look at the Asante Kotoko team yes. of 2008 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Harrison left yeah. back, Samuel Inkum right back. You had Eric Bekwe in there. You had Emmanuel Osekufo in midfield for Kumasi Asante Kotoko. Mm. Eric Bekwe striking for them. It was a cracking team. And the testament to that was that they, they, they finished second in Chan. They actually finished second in the Chan as well. That's the DR you know, Raheem, you and yes. Charles Taylor was actually in that Chan team. Yeah. So, we're looking at the st- standards which was quite high. Mm. Now, if you bring that to today, you're looking at... Yeah, well, um, Samuel Abeko is a great Olympics player. Yeah. Quite decent. A free is um, a hearts player. A free is a hearts player. Fatal is a Division One player. Danlad is a Kotoko. The fundamental point is this: mm. that the standard of the competition that they were playing in back in 2008-2009, and the standard of the competition they are playing in now is totally different. So, I guess my point is that if we want to make a case for these boys to be included in the senior national team, let's not reference the squad of the class of 2009 because mm. some of them had already been around the Black Stars even before they went to win the under-20 World Cup. Yes, so, right. it's a non-starter. Let's mm. not go there. Mm. But, I mean, in the piece that I wrote, it's a simple analysis. There are people calling for, you know, player A or player B, B to be included yeah. in the Black Stars. Look, mm. these boys are good. But let's not sit here and pretend as if we haven't seen a better collection of under-20 players for the Black Star Lights. Mm. We have seen better teams. And and right very early in the tournament, I made that point that, look, even with some of our teams that did not qualify for, 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 for the African Championship, let alone the World Cup, some were far better than this team. Yeah. Okay? I saw the 2005 team that didn't qualify. Michael Helegbe, you had Prince Tego. I don't think there was any player in this under-20 team that, that would compare to Michael Helegbe or Prince Tego for that matter. Prince Tego was your striker. Yeah. You can't compare Pesciol's ball to Prince Tego. Mm. I mean, you, you can't. Mm. You so, so the circumstances are different and, and, and we don't put any but, but pressure on any boy. the Black Stars we are talking about. That's right, yes. It's still the Black Stars. The circumstances are different. Yes. Every year is different. But we are still talking about the Black Stars. It's a certain level. We Black expect stars. a certain standard. Yes. No matter the circumstance, we still expect that a Black Stars player will meet certain standards. Mm. These boys have the potential. Yeah. We, we, we don't doubt that. Yeah. But we have to be careful in the way we handle the transition. Mm. Very, very careful. Because, you see, players differ in their abilities, in their mental fortitude. Mm. You take some of these boys around the Black Stars and they realize that, whoa, this is about five, six steps above me. Mm. And if you don't take care, they will never, ever recover to the levels that they are supposed to hit. And, and, and it has, not to, not to cut you short, but, but there the, the must be the need to want to bring this boys like it was then. Because we were having a chat off air, you know, with our meeting, and we're saying that, look, even the boys at the camp, assuming um, the European boys don't come, assuming we don't have any, uh, you know, in terms of all the guys playing outside, if, if they, we decide that we're going to totally close shop, to those out there, the 24 that uh, Sikia got had in camp even today, yeah. we, we came up with uh, with the starting 11 with players on the bench, uh, but, taking but, the whole Kumasi Asante Kuroko back line, you know, absolutely. goalkeeper Razaka Balora, Justice Blay, Murakwa Castle, and all of that. I think that if you are not getting our foreign contingent, let nobody say that we should just carry the under 20 team and let them and take them there. Yeah. We can't. I mean, look, mm. you are playing South Africa, mm. don't, don't kid yourself. We can't. First up, even if South Africa decide to parade a local base side, yeah. these under 20 boys will not beat them. Yeah. You understand me? Because again of the standards of the competition that they are playing in. Okay? So, so we need to be cautious. We need we to, cautious. to be very Someone careful. reminded me of Abedi Pillar. I said, whoa, Abedi Pillar was playing for RTU. Hello? RTU. Ghana yeah, Premier League. I don't, yes, I don't understand why people <laughs> make those comparisons. Frankly, for me, it makes me say, look, one of the most ridiculous arguments I've heard in favor of, you know, promoting Fatal is that well, he's just like, are we not seeing what Barcelona has done with Ansu Fati? I'm like, <laughs> really? Seriously? Are we having this conversation? <laughs> we are talking about arguably the best young player in the world at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to compare a player who has gone to the African Championship and won it to the best young player in the world at the moment? Hans, Hans point clearly is you, that you they've cannot, got potential. Let's allow the potential to grow. Let's allow, you see, and let's, let's time think too. about the next step. Yeah. What's the next step? 
the black meteors. Okay. Mm, yeah. The biggest threat to not keeping these boys together is that you've got people holding the economic crisis to these players, agents, if yes, you like, and yeah. clubs. Already working hard. Already working hard to cash in. Yeah. There are rumors of certain agents wanting to take players to AC Milan and, and stuff. All of that, yeah. It, look, I, I would hope that some of these agents and people holding these economic rights would think about the players' development and progress for a minute, mm. okay, and take them to places where they are going to continue their development. Dominic Edia went to the World Cup and was top scorer. And, and then, went to AC Milan and, and the rest is history. Yeah, you can go on. Let's on. not even go there. Let's take our time yeah. and allow them to transition properly. Yeah. The calls for players to be included in the Black Stars. Yes, there are some of them we can allow to be around the team, yeah. you know, just to boost their confidence and understand what it takes. But for some, we, we can't... There's no point. Allow them to there's grow. There's no point. Allow them, allow to, them grow. to grow. For me, yeah. there are two players I think that at this moment, yeah. we can give them call-ups into the team based on what we saw yeah. of their performance at the at, 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 at 20th AFCON. Mm. Samuel Abe Ashikwe, yeah, left back. Left back, I think.